Hello and welcome to the Serendipitous Soul Sisters podcast, where we discuss anything and everything that we are into that week. I am Lady Nadia. And I am Lady Vanessa. And today we are going to be talking about if we lived in the 1800s. Yes. <laughs> um, normally Vanessa and I come up with like special names and stuff. Yeah. We did not talk about this prior and Lady yeah. was just the first thing that made sense that yeah. came to my head. Um <laughs> Finally, we are back yes. recording this podcast uh, for the YouTube channel that I have with my sister, Lovely Wolf. Mm -hmm. Hello, Lovely Wolf. Hi. It's been a minute, yep. um, both for the podcast and for sit-down videos in general. <laughs> um, so, hi. But hey. yes, we are going to be doing If We Lived in the 1800s, 1800s talk. We got a whole century to cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of having a whole century to cover, I think that was one thing that I found difficult about yes. this was trying yes. to cover a century's worth of everything. Yeah. Condensed into one PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. <laughs> I just this is this is a mess. And um, I have a whole thought process that I need to explain. Um, but why don't you go first? Sure. Let me get my presentation up. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. <laughs> So, what if we lived in the 1800s? Mm -hmm. First, I wanted to start off with movies mm -hmm. from more modern and recent times that take place in the 1800s. Makes sense. Makes so, sense. it starts with, like, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Goes into Little Women, Ugh. which is probably the most, uh, the best example I could give right now. Yeah. That movie did really great when it came out. Mm -hmm. uh, Moulin Rouge. Mm. Uh, Les Mis. Mm. And those are just a couple of the examples. Next is the fashion of the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And again, it was kind of difficult because I wanted to be able to give accurate represent, uh, representation. But it was so hard because not only is the 1800s such a broad century. Yeah. American 1800s history and European 1800s history are two different entities. Yeah. So that was also a little difficult. I had a hard time finding really great sources where to pull these images from. Mm -hmm. So if some represent European more than American or American more than European, that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, first off, we have these hats and this is just some of like the headwear that would be worn in like an afternoon or to yeah. tea stuff like that and we have a little bit of a timeline going on from the 1880s to 1889 just one section of this broad broad century to go over but I did have a picture underneath right here that shows an earlier uh, example of the 1800s which is more of a relaxed fabric a puffy sleeve and the collar is typically like a U, mm -hmm. a circle, or very rarely like a V, which is more of like a button down for sleep. Yeah. But um, it was more worn down or dressed down, I should say, towards the beginning of the century. And as time progressed, fashion got more and more elegant, yeah. kind of taking back from before, bringing back the layers, bringing back the more styled silhouettes of the body. Mm -hmm. You know, more extravagant things were happening to the hair with the parasols, with uh, hair accessories. You mm -hmm. see a little bit of an, an evolvement from kind of a more natural, delicate beauty to a more extravagant fashion type. Yeah. So that also leaves me to believe that this is a kickoff to where fashion is modern now, because you could see in every decade or every hundred years, there's fashion keeping up with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this 
kind of kicks off that era because I can't really place my finger on a time where fashion wasn't, uh, there was a lull in fashion. Fashion mm -hmm. wasn't prominent. Fashion wasn't one of the main things that people were talking about or concerned with. Yeah. I think once we hit the industrial revolution, then yeah. fashion started to get a little <laughs> bit more upbeat. Exactly. Uh, and this is an example of men's fashion. I thought it was very interesting. And just talking about the embroidery work that is on the waistcoats or the, the coats itself. Mm -hmm. I liked that there was a very floral element to these. They're softer, almost jewel tones or earth tones. And I really, really like this. I feel like in men's fashion, we don't see a lot of feminine uh, elements no. in the clothing. And this is something that struck my attention when I was looking into this. So I had to include it. I wasn't going to include men's fashion because men. I did fashion. not include men's fashion. <laughs> uh, but I, that was just something I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Or how we have these beautiful velvets and satins, mm -hmm. but also with the revival of cottage core and these older uh styles of clothing we're seeing a lot of this come back as well yeah we're seeing a lot of floral patterns mm -hmm. not so much the embroidery but something very much in these tones and inspirations i can see being drawn from this so i thought that was really cool it also gives me lord of the rings yeah so i wanted <laughs> to bring that up yeah next was the art that influenced the Ooh, 1800s so uh i did want to talk about a couple of artists when i tried to look up artists from the 1800s it just gave me a bunch of people that were born at the tail end yeah so I, yeah that was difficult mm -hmm. so i want to start off with this artist his name is paul uh she's chizane kizane uh, difficult to explain or to, to say his name, but I love the examples that I pulled because they all seem very similar mm. for this time. It's very bright colors. They're all there. You don't see too much of abstract work, but the style that the paintings are made are quite an abstract concept. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I remember as a child learning about specifically this era of art uh we had this program that would come in and teach us about artists and like they taught us the van gogh unit and we would learn how to make a drawing out of using just the thin lines like van gogh mm -hmm. and i thought that was interesting i really like this type or this era of art i guess because of the colors i like that there's a variety of them i like the texture i think uh, the most. So I wanted to include this. I don't have a ton on the artists themselves, but uh, this is just a style that I wanted to bring light to. Yeah, I, I just looked, I just Googled it right now, like mm -hmm. what art period was in the 1800s. And I think like it and it kind of like ends with the neoclassical movement goes into romantic and then transfers oh. into modernism. So I okay. think that this is like more romantic. Yeah, it and looks so, very romantic. Which I love the romantic period. Yeah. I don't know how to distinguish periods <laughs> in art, but like yeah. I always seem to fluctuate towards romantic. Yeah, uh, this is definitely one that was like, in my face more as a kid yeah. so i think that's why yeah draw to it a little more mm -hmm. also van gogh was one of like the main artists that you yeah. learned the first i i used to dream in like scapes like oh, this that's yeah so when cool. i was a kid i used then i had one nightmare and then it stopped it's but done. i kind of miss it oh. <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll get back there yeah next i wanted Ooh. to talk about the literature mm -hmm. of the 1800s because so much stuff came out of here so much so much came out so yeah. the first example here is war and peace by leo tolstoy 
And uh, this is one of the most famous books mm -hmm. that exist, period. It's a book. Uh, if you ask any person, like, literature that you should read in your life, a lot of people say War and Peace. Uh, I know my brother had to read it in high school. Yeah, it's really, it, you don't find it in the curriculum, mm -hmm. curriculum, curriculum very often anymore. Yeah. We definitely did not, no, right? Yeah, we no. didn't have to read it uh, at all. But I know a section of this book mm -hmm. inspired the Great Comet of 1812. Yeah. And it tells like one section of the story. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting. If you want to like get to know some of the story, but not read the thick ass book that is yeah. War and Peace, then you should listen to that. I, know. Music, I am I a whole English major and have not had any work <laughs> done with, with War and Peace. But to be fair, I feel like the school curriculum that we grew up with versus like, let's say our siblings, mm -hmm. definitely kind of steered more towards more modern works yeah. of art and away from more traditional works yeah. of art. Because my brother had to read Moby Dick. He had to read uh, War and yeah. Peace. So like, I feel like that's like a old... Mm -hmm. curriculum thing which yeah. is kind of sad i feel like we should yeah. embrace our older literature but whatever um next some more examples is little women by uh louisa Lu alcott really mm -hmm. huh. okay and then we have pride and prejudice by jane austen and we have alice's adventures in wonderland by lewis carroll shout out to lewis carroll shout out to <laughs> lewis Hey, we rock with Lewis Carroll. <laughs> I don't know that person. I shouldn't be. I know, I know. Now that I think about it, I'm like, wait, I actually don't know anything about this. <laughs> but three, I think, very well-known books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were Definitely. just talking about Little Women and the movie and how successful it was. Yeah. So obviously, even over 150 years later, it holds up. It does. It's it still does. a great story to tell. Yeah. And it's a story that people enjoy hearing. And I think that's some of the things that makes me love literature because it's truly an undying art. Mm -hmm. Like Alice in Wonderland. Hello. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Uh, Pride and Prejudice as well. That was also a huge movie that did yeah. tremendously. Yeah. And that was a story written over a century ago. Yeah. Like that's crazy. I love that. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice isn't my favorite, but okay. I do like the movie. Huh. It's, yeah. And then we also have great uh, authors like Edgar Allan Poe, mm -hmm. who is the author of The Raven or short stories like The Cask of Montalato, uh, The Oval Portrait, and The Black Cat. I always forget that Poe was in the 19th century. I yes. always forget that. Yes, yes. Because uh, he's very ingrained into curriculum and oh, academia yeah. and stuff. I had to read the same short story three times throughout high school. <laughs> uh, next is Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I think is also one that people forget. Yeah. I think they think it's from like years and years and years before. Yeah. But it's, it's from the 19th century. And also the Scarlet Letter. Bangin' book. Bangin'. Bangin' book. Bangin'. That is a good book. Good I, ass book. This one holds up. Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Absolutely. I remember reading that freshman year because I was bored and I was like, wait a <laughs> yeah. Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> that was something, right? scrumptious yeah. to read. Um, and then the last two examples I have is like Last of the Mohicans, which I know is also a really like well-made movie mm -hmm. back in the 90s. Uh, that was something that my dad was talking about for a while. And The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, I don't know. I, I hear more like things about Mark Twain the older I get. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm supposed to like Mark Twain. Yeah. Or the story of Huckleberry Finn, but it's there. <laughs> I saw a good play once. Oh. It was pretty good. But <laughs> yeah, just Mark. Yeah, those stories are just kind of like 
anyway. Yeah, it was yeah. something that was very much uh, the last couple decades of children yeah. that really had to study and read Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were in school, again, I feel like even the teachers and the staff were tired about talking about yeah, Mark Twain. Yeah, I, I am so glad that like by the time Vanessa and I got to high school, like we were done with like Moby Dick, like mm -hmm. people were done teaching Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Like I, because I, I, I never wanted to read Lord yeah. of the Flies ever. Uh, no, and I, I still have not. I no. And I have a mission I am life. glad <laughs> I have not been forced to. Ever since in sixth grade, when my English English teacher said Lord of the Flies is a book written by boys for boys. I was so turned off by yeah. it. I was like, I'm disgusted. I want nothing to do with yeah. this. My, my sister had to read it and she just, oh. she literally just said, it's about like I, an island or something like yeah. that. All boys. I was like, no. That no. itself was so unappealing. Yeah. And then hearing more about how like these boys have weird like superiority complexes and like fight each other and this that i'm like uh, yeah it's not it exhausting if, if y'all want a good like com like comparison or whatever like lord of the flies is just like such a good example of like what men think the world would be like with if there was only men and then you have portrait of a lady on fire where there is no men in the movie like if there are men they appear for like less than a minute or something like that wow. and you can just see how beautiful a matriarchy <laughs> learns to live with itself. And it's just, eh, I could write an essay on this, but anyway, yes. it's there. The yeah. proof is there. But yeah, I don't know how we got there. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know either. <laughs> but yeah, that was my, my presentation. I also wanted to bring up some historical events that happened in mm. the 1800s. Because, oh my gosh. Because, yeah, there was a lot. And I'm just going to scrape the surface. So first we have the 1800s Napoleonic Wars. Mm -hmm. That is when Napoleon was going around Europe and trying to claim everything. And then he had a very unlikely winter in Russia. Yeah. So there's the Napoleonic Wars for it. <laughs> Um, and then from the 1800s to 1860s, there was 17 new states introduced to the United States of America. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Uh, and the War of 1812 also took place. Can you guess when that happened? <laughs> uh, we also have the Louisiana Purchase again. Woo. Wow. Colonization. Ah. Uh, American Civil War. <laughs> Wish that turned out better. Oh, my gosh. And we're feeling the effects of it still to this day. Oh so how interesting gosh. is that? Don't say yeah. history doesn't count. Uh, and then we have our Mexican War, likely mm. when our families were colonized. Isn't that fun? Woo! Then there is the Boston Massacre. Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. That happened. Oh, my gosh. That happened, and we still talk about it. Again, Massacre, back in the 1800s, was 12 people. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, isn't that sad? It's that like that's so such sad. a small number to us. Yes. Like now, oh my god. I remember learning that in high school and being like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. And I'm not laughing because I find it humorous. I'm laughing because it's a joke. Yeah. It is such a joke. Mm. Ugh. Anyways, Boston Massacre. Then we have the French and they called it Indian. I'm gonna call it French and Native American War mm -hmm. because Let's be correct here. Yeah. Let's not continue to put things that are not correct in our history. Every books. time, every time I'm reading like things about history, and then they say they say Indian to refer to indigenous people. Yeah. I'm like, why are we still writing this? Like, yes, that is what they were referred to or, back in those times. But we're in these times note. now. At least a yeah. note. put the asterisk <laughs> and at the bottom of the book referring to Native Americans. So simple. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, anyways, anyway. uh, women's suffrage. Women's suffrage. Hey, 
hey, what's up? That's us. We are here because of those women. Thank you. We get to vote because of those women. Thank you. We still have a long way to go. Yes. But we have the foundation of our own freedoms and liberties because of women like Susan B. Anthony. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you. And the last was, and I think one of the most important, the Underground Railroad. Ah, yes. Harriet Tubman is one of, I think, the greatest American heroes. Mm -hmm. And she should be on our $20 bill. Yeah. 100%. When the fuck is that happening on the 100%. Joe? So, uh, this is just getting way too... I know. Way I... too invested in this conversation. <laughs> but anyways, that anyways. is that on my what if we lived in the 1800s. Love it. Always Love it. here with the accuracy oh, and yes. the bulk of information, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, all right, so if I lived in the 1800s. Get now, it. backstory to this presentation that, mm -hmm. like, really... Okay, so my initial thought was, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, I'm going to take this literally and personally mm -hmm. and actually, like, go and think about where mm -hmm. I would be with my family, yeah. like, going back and stuff. Because, um, I don't know, it's, like, attainable. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, the names of relatives that would be living in, like, the 1800s and stuff, more towards the end, obviously. Um, but I don't really know much of, like, what they did or, like, mm -hmm. where they, what they do. And, like, those are conversations that I definitely want to have with my family, but I couldn't do it in, like, the time frame that, like, I had. Right. Um, so then I just tried to kind of do it on my own, but then it got a little, like, muddled and, like, hard. And then I okay. was, like, because I was dealing with like four different places. Ooh. So I was going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go through these four different places and go through like things that were happening in the 1800s at that time. Okay. But it was hard to do that without doing a whole history lecture. Right. Very fascinating stuff, yeah. but like just too much. So then sure. it kind of starts like that and then <laughs> goes into just America in general. Kind Got of. it. Got it. Um, Got and, a little broad. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted you to go first because I knew that you would hit like everything that like I would mm -hmm. want to. Sure. Um, and I'm going to be like just more lighthearted because the, the 19th century is just, is so much history happens yeah. there. It's a very transitional time. Very, and it shows, very. Because yeah. so much is going on. Yeah. And like, once you get into the 1900s, like, yeah, st stuff is still happening. But like, like Vanessa just said, like, it's not as like, I shouldn't even say that. But like, still, there's just a lot, a yeah. lot that happens in the 1800s. And I kind of gloss over it a little bit. So <laughs> anyway, with that, what if I lived in the 1800s? Just a real quick cliff note. Also, this is the majority of what we had to learn in high school. So there yeah. is very much a mental block in our yes. brains because we were so yes. force fed this history mm -hmm. for years. Yeah. Anyways. And the American version. So. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'm just going to also. Okay. 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 So. When I thought literally, mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, I would either be in Arizona, in Illinois, question mark, mm -hmm. Croatia, or Mexico. Okay. Because um, you're going to get some of my family history <laughs> with this. On my mom's side, my mom's parents, they're from Arizona. Um, I know that like they've been there for a while, but I'm pretty sure my Tata Grande's parents immigrated from Syria and I'm pretty sure my um, Nana Grande's parents have been in just Mexico for like a very long time. Ooh. And then like my Tata's family, I know were colonized because I know that it goes into like Native American like mm -hmm. history and all that. I just don't know where, didn't want to be inaccurate. Right. Um, my, on my dad's side, my grandpa, like he grew up in Illinois and all that. I can't remember where he said his parents came from, but I know one of them came from Croatia. Whoa. So yeah, that's why we have Croatia. <laughs> and then my dad's mom just straight up Mexico like the yeah. whole time. So yeah. 
Anyway, in Arizona, Arizona didn't become a state until February 14th, 1912. Mm -hmm. So um, it was part of the Spanish and Mexican territories during like the 1800s and stuff. The land was ceded to the United States in 1848 and became a separate territory in 1863. But then copper was discovered in 1854 and then copper mining was Arizona's premier industry until the 1950s. And that is very important because if I were to be in Arizona, I would specifically be in Douglas, Arizona, which Shout out to Douglas, Arizona. I have a very soft spot for that little town, like in my heart, because like it's where my grandparents grew up. My Nana Grande lived there on her own until she was like a hundred. Um, yeah, so it it's a very quaint and quiet like town, but like the big booming business there was mining. Um, like I know my Tata Grande worked in like the smelters and like all of that. Um, so. Now it's considered a bustling micropolitan like city, which is really cute because like when you go there, it's like kind of dead, but like, but it's got a pretty, a fairly decent population and it's a very much border town. Like when I, when I go there, my phone, I have T-Mobile, like I'll get a text that says, welcome to Mexico. And I'm like, (laughs) nope, no, still Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. Like my Tata would go there, would like cross the border all the time to Mexico to go Mm -hmm. see like family or whatnot. Um, and it really didn't become like popping until the 1900s. Like that's when it was like booming. Like you had vaudeville performers that were 13 theaters there and like all that. Cause the mining was just yeah. a one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if y'all ever go to Arizona, definitely check out Tombstone, Douglas and Bisbee areas. Cause it's actually a lot of fun. Tombstone is a little too yeehaw, uh, but Bisbee and Douglas are very great. Interesting that you bring that up. My dad was just watching a documentary on PBS about the copper mining. Oh, in Arizona. really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I had just cool. heard all about that history yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's, it was a very big part. It of was like huge. Yeah. I feel like that was the mini gold rush. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that was the gold rush know. before the gold rush. Yeah. People always talk about the gold rush in California, but forget about the whole mining culture that exists. It was a whole thing. It lasted for so long. Very long time. So long. And copper is so expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my whole spiel on Arizona. After they stole the gold from Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next for Illinois. Um, It became a state in 1818. So, like, if I was literally there, I'd be, like, American. Like, pretty early on. But, like, this is what I wrote. Honestly, I don't really want to be here in the 1800s because low-key, this was a really rough time and a hot spot for the Civil War. So I'm going to just breeze past this Lamau. Shout out to Chicago, though, because <laughs> that's where my grandpa grew up. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, um, town. Yeah, but like um, when I was like looking into Illinois in the 1800s, really, really rough like history and very political and like yeah. all that. So I just didn't really want to like talk about it also too much you got all the gangs yeah exactly you got all the monsters (laughs) so now to just talk about like in general oh but also before i talk about that i started to look into croatia oh okay i'm now kind of obsessed with croatia now because their history is so mysterious and And just history too yeah what that's your history too oh yeah (laughs) yeah but like the origins of this country mm-hmm. and like the nationality and culture and all that, there are so many question marks that so many historians just like don't know. Like, this is, she's mysterious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so many people just don't know. Like, it emerged sometime after the fall of Yugoslavia, okay. which I know my family was a part of. Like, I know. Um, 
because for the longest time we just thought it was Yugoslavia, but then my grandpa was like, no, like Croatia. And I was like, whoa. Okay. But anyway, so <laughs> shout out to Croatia, man, for being so interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm going to go back and look at that later. But oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, and then Mexico, like I was just going to list out like important things that like people from Mexico did like for the world, like th no. things that were invented, like on all that. No. And just so much of the history is just blocked out from everything that was happening to them in general, yeah. that it was just kind of depressing trying yeah. to find something. A lot of like, our stuff has been wiped out and yeah. it sucks. A lot of innovative things that you would want to get credit to, you'd want to look into like Azteca culture. Yeah. Cause that was probably some of the things that was the best preserved mm -hmm. because of translators that could look back and American or just like white people yeah. didn't know. Yeah. But uh, if I had more time, like I would have definitely dug more but the fact that just a google search of like things that came out of Mexico in the 1800s didn't do anything yeah. was very frustrating you know the fact that Diego Rivera and uh, Frida Kahlo were the first like well-known artists to come out of Mexico in the early 1900s is crap yeah like the fact that we have no literature mm -hmm. no artists nothing to come out of Mexico in this time which is coincidentally the time they're being colonized yeah. how interesting is that yeah it's... nobody wants to have that conversation we know that a lot of our history was robbed we know that a lot of our stuff was taken from us nobody wants to own up to it nobody wants to give that back to us and it's so hard period it is so hard yeah. the only mexican things that we learn in school when we're learning about the 1800s is the mexican-american war yeah and how long it lasted the, and the one the priest... conquistadors the, yeah. like all of that like literally that's all we learn about, yeah and like we grew up in southern california so we're force-fed the mission Ugh. stories, which is yeah. crap. You go to a mission in Southern California and they will show you the mass grave of Native Americans. I went to one two years ago and I sobbed. Mm -hmm. They had over 2,000 bodies and they're like, oh yeah, you're stepping on it. <laughs> and you're just like, um. Horrific. Like, Horrific. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's all we get to know. Yeah. <laughs> so. So. Where, where else so are we that's supposed that, to get it from? Yeah. yeah. Literally, if you ask like some Mexican families, or if you are Mexican and you have family, you ask us, hey, what is our story? Where are we mm -hmm. from? Mexico. Well, what what about before that? Mexico. Yeah. Because they're not even sure. Yeah, it's really hard with, with people like um my tata, my mm -hmm. my mom's dad, like his family has like no documentation like at and all either, like i have no clue it's it like i get as far back as like his parents that's it but then that's it Same. like and you know that's not something they really talked about like growing up or whatever especially because no. my thought that just in general had a hard life but like still no. the fact that it just kind of ends there and like i don't get to know like anything else about and you too like that's we don't get to know your family tree. anything else about like our history or like where we came from and all that is just so heartbreaking in all directions i can't get past two generations yeah my great-grandparents that's it they they my great-grandpas settled here from mexico and established my family in america and that's it that is my history. Mm -hmm. I literally have to take like a 23 and me yeah. to know where Which I come from. Which I'm like from. this close to yes. doing because I am just itching to know more yes. about like my family history. Sorry guys. This I know is just we're the just gonna experience. Yeah. No, for real. <laughs> we don't even get me started about the like modern day Nosabo kid. Oh, my don't gosh. even get me started no. on that. Don't even get. Anyway, we know we're from more than that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gosh, hey, we're gonna reel it back. We're gonna bring it back. We're gonna bring it back. So to end on a more lighthearted note, yes. here are some things that I learned that were happening in the 19th century that just made me cackle. Uh. So hairpin theft. Um, instead of getting cuffed, 
you get hairpinned instead. So it's like if you were seeing a girl, things are going good, she would give you a hairpin. Okay. But men wouldn't wait. Um, they would steal hairpins from women <laughs> or follow them, waiting for it to fall. And then they would put it in a scrapbook with a detailed description of the girl. Like the girl's name, what she was wearing, how old they think they were. So and all incels that. were a tale as yeah. old as time as well. Yes. Yeah. No, that oh is my God. so weird. This was so this was simultaneously both hilarious and infuriating. Nah. Like, that's weird. I I just mm. that is like an old timey weirdo that follows you around the mall. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Another thing. <laughs> ring turning. So like and this is taken directly from NPR.org, so shout out. Um, so a lady would meet a man with a ring on his finger, and then she would turn the ring two or three times. Then with another man, the same thing. And then so on until she has turned rings to the extent of about 24 times. Then the next thing to do is to look for a married person, male or female, wearing a marriage ring. This ring she is to turn twice, and then the next man she shakes hands with will be her husband. Oh, yeah, so it's kind of like a superstition thing straight out of a Cosmo. Okay, but, <laughs> manifestation. Yeah, but I read this and I was like, whoa. Like <laughs> nowadays, we'll just like throw, we'll just like throw a crystal and like <laughs> just throw a rose quartz in there. <laughs> and it's just, it was, it was just. I had to include it because it was so interesting to just think of like mm -hmm. what fads like like happen yeah. across time because mm -hmm. like when I think back to my childhood and like magazines and like YouTube videos like how to get a boy's attention and all of that yeah. it's just so funny to see the roots of it all <laughs> yeah yeah this and, has been here for a while I know and they didn't have like social media or anything nope. so I'm just imagining like a bunch of women just like going up to men and being like hey or like whatever <laughs> and like it was like such a big deal that like it was to the point where like women at work like if they were caught doing that they'd be fired yeah because it was happening so much. So this just goes to reinforce the statement that you are the ones that give power to things. <laughs> it is, if you get enough people to do one thing, this happens. Yeah. <laughs> like to give a more modern example, and this one is very frustrating because there was reasoning for this thing, but it's like the whole thing with like fidget spinners and fidget cubes and stuff. Like yeah. they're meant for people with like neurodivergency and like ADHD and mm -hmm. all that. But then it became such a trend that I got banned from schools. <laughs> yeah. Something that was supposed to help people. I want to get one of those fidget rings. Yeah. Those, those are cute. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> those were some two things. And I also um, threw in some fashion, oh, but yeah. I just, and I like how I use the same images. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just like put what the fashion was at the beginning, like 1800 to 1809 uh -huh. to the 1890s, because like Vanessa talked about, it's just so interesting to see kind of like the shift because mm -hmm. you start off with a very relaxed and then like the just all the way little. up here yeah. cinched or whatever. And then you see the waist just drop to like yeah. where the waist actually is. You and have then like, just like poofy, poofy, poofy. Yeah. Straight. And it's so much more like dressed up. Like we yeah. go from straight line to like, all right, let's add some curves, yeah. <laughs> which is just kind of fascinating. And yeah. I didn't include men's fashion because men, men. Um, <laughs> And then cinema, the oldest film ever made was The Horse in Motion yep. in 1878. And it used stop motion to capture a horse running. And I just thought that this was so hilarious because the only reason why film was discovered is because some dude was just like, hey, I wonder if a horse's hooves are up in the air at the same time while it's running. And then that's how we got this movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So don't say you can't be an inventor. <laughs>
Because look at what these people did. All from a, like, a stupid question. This started <laughs> the pipeline that goes directly to Marvel's Endgame. Exactly. If this man hadn't <laughs> wanted to take a picture of a horse, <laughs> the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe ceases to exist. Like, come what? on. Come on. Um, <laughs> and then I also wanted to shout out the first horror movie. Um, I will not be trying to pronounce the French name, but it translates to the House of the Devil. Um, came in 1896, France. It is three minutes long. And then it shows an encounter with like the devil and various ghosts. And at the time, like its purpose was to be like comedic and yeah. incite like laughter and all that. But because of subject matter, it is considered the first horror film and first vampire film because it depicts a bat transforming into the devil. So shout out to France. Wow. Um, yeah. And they actually thought that this was like lost, like the footage, but then they found like a copy of it in New Zealand. So like, yeah, <laughs> I know that's weird, but <laughs> I want to know that story actually. Yeah. And then that's all I got. Nice. <laughs> we did it, y'all. Yeah. Talked about the 1800s in bulk. <laughs> in bulk. We did it. We're mm -hmm. here. We ranted a little bit. A little bit. Just a little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's it. That's that's the episode, y'all. Um, be sure to catch us like on social media if we're there sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that's gonna be SSS Podcast 22 on both Instagram and Twitter. And make sure to come back next week for your next dose of serendipity. Bye. Bye.